Hey, everybody. Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling here on the eve of the non-Olympic World Championships. I'm joined this evening by international wrestling junkie Seth Patera. Seth was a Tennessee State High School champion last year. He's a freshman 174-pounder for Lake Erie College, and he follows the international freestyle scene about as closely as anyone in the U.S. If you're wondering about his credibility on this stuff, Seth's Twitter following includes at least a couple dozen Division I All-Americans. Um, I counted 11 NCAA champs and a handful of college head coaches as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Seth Pater, S-E-T-H-P-E-T-A-R. We're recording this on Friday evening. The tournament is going to get cranked up here in several hours over in Budapest, Hungary. But Seth is going to give us a crash course on the men's freestyle favorites at 61 and 70 kilograms. Thanks for joining us this evening, Seth. Are you rested and ready to watch some wrestling unfold here? Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a really great show that we're about to see. I think our U.S. guys have some, uh, they've got potential to do well here, but they're also in some pretty tough fields. So it's going to be a real, real interesting uh, time here. I'm looking forward to it. Well, before we get going on Logan Steber and James Green and how they fit into their brackets, you know, how mm-hmm. did a kid from Chattanooga, Tennessee, get completely immersed into what's going on on the world stage on mats in Russia, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, Iran, and, and all the other wrestling hotbeds? Right. So, um, what happened was I started wrestling in middle school, right? And I had to catch up a lot. So I tried to catch as much tape as I could. And it was like dizzying trying to keep up with all these names. I remember for some reason, uh, this would happen. I watched a bunch of Cytia for this and that. And it was just too much going on at one time. Like I'd be trying to keep up with the trials and trying to keep up with each and every guy. I always felt like I was falling behind in that terms. And, you know, I kind of casually watch freestyle every now and then. I'd really be interested in the wrestling quality of it and getting better as a wrestler. But I didn't really recognize until later about, i say, early junior year of high school that the really the best guys, the best in wrestling, really, the ones I need to watch to get better, were all across the world, all international. You know, I had done some of it, like looking at it, the sophomore Virginia is really when it started to take off, and that's when I was able to wrestle uh, Freestyle and Greco uh, for state championships and all that and get to travel a little bit and started watching more of it. And then going into the summer of my senior year, that's when I started to sort of get more uh, just tweeting about it and um, opening the conversation about it writing about it a little bit and the beginning, the end of that year or some near the end of that year, I started talking to Dan Mosdell. He works at uh slow wrestling. Now he goes by the wrestling nomad. I unfortunately don't have that sort of uh, creativity to come up with a nickname like that, but he's a great guy. I got to talk to him. He was able to help me out a good bit. Uh, this was when he was working back at takedown wrestling. And so we would talk about the stuff. Um, if you want to look back, there's uh, top 25 uh, matches of 2015 and the and preview for the beginning of this year. Me and him did that. So it was good. And then that just sort of 
started to develop. I was writing during school. Obviously, it was more uh, developmental stuff, just like getting it out there. It wasn't as refined as it is now, but just, you know, greasing the groove. And getting to wrestle freestyle and Greco uh, after winning a state title was really great, and being able to be on that national scene was awesome to be able to get exposed to it more because it's always been fun to be around and you're just able to really get better in every position. You know, people may, coaches may say, I don't want my guy doing freestyle or I don't want my guy doing that. Well, that's pretty stupid. One, even if the kid's not a freaky athlete, the positions that go, that they're going to get them in are going to get them wrestling specific athleticism and strength. Like, in scrambles, when you're always preaching to the guys, make sure your hips are high. Make sure your hips are high. If you're trying to crosswalk somebody and your hips are super low, they're going to step over it. They're going to highlight over it. Or you're not going to be able to take them through for four. If you're trying to throw somebody and you're not stepping in, you don't have them locked up. Either way, you're going to get scored on in that situation. And I think it really helps out um, incentivizing, you know, finish on your feet, finish finish right, you know, where the American style of, okay, keep fundamental, finish hard, finish clean, and then you mix that in with that more, let's look for the big score, really helps out with guys. Like, um, I think that's just, freestyle is really, freestyle and Greco can do really great things for people, and it just makes them love wrestling more, because I found you need a break from, like, traditional top and bottom. That's where a lot of guys just get burnt out, like, it just gives you a new look on everything, and that's what I love. And it gives you a history and a perspective on the rest of the world through sports that, you know, a lot of people don't get. Then the U.S., we're able to look at um, a lot of aspects of people's lives through sports. Like, um, say, we can look at, we're going to have a discussion about steroid use and baseball and the ethics of this and that through the medium of baseball, but something as rich as international wrestling where we can talk about the very heated state of Dagestan and Chechnya and how there's been constant terrorist violence over there. We can talk about how that affects the wrestling. But I don't understand why we haven't been able to open that conversation. That's what I'm trying to do more, get people to understand that there's this huge gold mine of information out there and just, you know, making it more accessible to them and creating a better, more well-informed fan base because if you know more about something, you'll care about it. If you care more about it, you're going to get more uh, enjoyment out of it. And, you know, I think it's a bit more entertaining than watching folk star, right? Because, you know, these guys are the very best in the world. When they stall, if they do stall, it's going to be really high-level stall. And when they go to work, it's going to be really, really beautiful stuff. And I don't see why there are people that would know more about uh, some 10-year-old in Minnesota and what he's doing and not know about the Olympic runner-up, Tagrua Garoff, or not know about um, Greg Chimizo or absolute hammers like that, like guys that can actually say, I am the best in the world. That's that's just what I think about it. Who are the guys that you you really studied at the beginning? Who are who are maybe three or four or five 
guys that you have spent the most time studying when, when you take into account what they do that, that has helped you mold uh, yourself as a wrestler? Uh, well, everyone starts off by watching the best guy, the most credentialed guy. Uh, it's like TF, but I'm, I'll, I'll probably be like 6'1". That, that's not happening. Um, so usually, if I want to watch uh, some good guys, Hmm. I watched. I, I like watching uh, Mertaz Elias, Makash Mertaz Elias. People um, don't recognize. Back in the day, Makach was a monster. He's oh, I want to say, look it up really quick. But Makach is pretty young. He had to retire early because of some knee injuries. But he's a 2005 and 2007 world champion and. Jameel Kelly uh, upset him in the 2004 Athens Olympics, but I really like what Makash is able to do. His leg attacks are clean. His uh, misdirection stuff is clean. It's just clean wrestling, where a lot of people sometimes get strung up on, oh, the wrestlers are kind of too loose, or they're doing stuff that isn't high percentage. No, he is high percentage. Uh, I like the off. He's obviously a, it's just a hammer. He's Awesome to watch. Um, for Americans, I love watching JD. Um, and then, oh, I like watching uh, Syed Ahmad Mohammadi, the world runner-up in 2014 and bronze in 2015. I just love the way he's able to move guys. Every time he snaps somebody, he's circling to it. He's not having to really exert that much energy to get to his leg attack. He finishes clean on him. Um, for those who need to remember, Mohammedy um, is the guy that Frank Molinero beat either 4-3 or 5-4 at the World Cup. Either way, he, he's an absolute hammer. I love watching him. And he's got a really high percentage style for people who are shorter that will have to wrestle you know, longer, lankier guys. And I'm really excited to see when he comes back. Well, let's transition to the here and now. The brackets are out for 61 kilograms. What do you think of the draws, and how do you see Logan Steber fitting in at this weight class? So, Logan's not going to get an easy start off at all. He has a returning world bronze medalist, the Seal Shuptar. Shuptar, um, for those that don't know, he beat Bainham Exenport, who's a two-time Asian runner-up, and Exenport, the World Cup, beat two-time world champ, Haji Liev. And Shuptar came and he beat him. He beat the world number one at the time, Alexander Bolkomoyev. And then he went and beat Bajrang Bajrang for bronze. And Bajrang before that had beaten Wampadzi uh, and Humphrey. So Logan's not going to get an easy match to start off. He starts off with a world bronze medalist. So he's got to be ready. Shuptar's got length. He's able to capitalize off of guys' attacks and he does a real good job just tying him up, slowing him down, getting to his slide by. He'll throw in that near he'll throw in that near leg and go Merkel off of it and just, just a pain in the butt dressing. I mean, guys will break him down and beat him late, but you can't wrestle him slow. You have to chain stuff together and it, it it'll be all right if you give up that first attack, but Shootar that's a tough first match for Logan. Uh for opening ones there's an interesting one, Asian bronze medalist, uh Tolis Mendeleg versus Gavarza Tilos. Gavarza Tilos, he's 
He was a Junior World Champ in 2013. Also beat Haji Elias back then, and he just destroyed uh, Yalzani Rodriguez, who was World Bronx in 2014. Gavard lost Hex to Mandalay. Um, other than that, you got the guy by UWW standards is world number one, but hasn't placed at World since 2011. Dalton Yazbekov, two-time Asian champion, versus 2013 World Bronze, and fifth last year, Bajrang Bajrang. That's going to be a qualification match, uh, qualification on match B. I'm looking forward to that one. So you're looking through. I want to. I'm going to say Logan beats Shukdar. Uh The other match that interests me is Beludia Frangulian, Bainum Asen for first round. And Beludia, he was great last year, being a year. He beat uh, Beck on Goy the 2013 world champ. He was a world beater at the time, but. He beat Beck on Gorgorev. He beat Vladimir Kenshigashvili. He won U23, and he won uh, the Medved. And he ended up being a runner-up to uh, Dajmal Oltarsopanov, who well, at the time was considered like a defensive wizard, like a master. So Logan is going to have, for a quarterfinal, 39, winner of 38. He's going to have Chikayev for a quarter. They wrestled back in 2012. Logan won a Real great match at Beat the Streets, but wow. Logan Sieber's got Shukhtar and Shakea back to back. That that's if he doesn't if he beats those two guys, you know he's on what he's on track to be the world champ. I mean, Shakeyev is an absolute hammer to deal with. Real solid from upper body, great underhook knee picks, great inside trip, real solid low singles. He teched Vladimir Kenshigesh Feely last year at the Arosa Cup. So, I hope... Here's saying that Logan beats Chikayev and Shuptar, which is awesome. So, 46, he won that quarterfinal. So, Logan's in the semis. So, he'll wrestle... 20, uh, he is going to wrestle Bainham Asenport in the semifinals. And, literally, Logan Stiebel will have gone through... The grinder, really, honestly. There's no other way to say that. If he can get past, if he can make it past the semi, if he can make past the quarters, he's already proven that he can win a world championship. But that is one tough draw for Logan. But I, if, well, if he makes it to the semis, if he loses to Bainham, he's gonna win the bronze medal. He's gonna beat Valudia Frangulian because the guy that Bainham would wrestle in the quarterfinals would it's going to be Shingo Arimoto, who is a national runner-up to World's Fifth, uh, Masakazu Kamoe, both of them from Japan. So if Logan beats Shuptar, which I feel pretty good they will, but still a really tough opening match. And if he gets past Jakeyev, who's a hammer, but Logan's capable of beating these guys. I mean, he's beating Soswan Romanov. And he's beaten Shakayev in the past. He's beaten Opon Sot, who's a three-time European champ. But if Logan can bet, get past his first round match with Shukhtar and beat Shakayev, and if he beats Asen Four, that's awesome. But if he loses to Asen Four, he's winning the bronze medal match. But, yeah, that, I'm really interested at that. Real tough well, draw for him, but I, yep. I like it. Looking at 70 kilos. You know, going ahead to James Green, we we saw him make an instant impact on the 70-kilo class last year in Las Vegas when he claimed the bronze. 
clearly wasn't as effective when he made the cut down to 65 kilos for the Olympic trials, but he's a guy that figures to be in the mix uh, for a title here. How do you, how do you see the weight shaping up for James and who are the guys who could cause the most problems for him? All right. So the brackets haven't been released yet. I don't see them for 70 kilos, but as it stands right now, I have James at number four at the weight. And this is because Magomed Kurbanaliev, who's really looked great this whole year, just won the Grand Prix in Azerbaijan as World Bronx Madison 2013, University World Champ in 2013, beat Logan Stever in Azerbaijan last year. He's beaten Stoslan Romanov. He's beaten Aliyev Gulikov. Kurbanaliev is the man, okay? Great high percentage attacks, has a great knee pull, has a great high cross, is able to finish around everybody. To get the spot, Kurbanaliev had to be 2014 world champ, Katik Sabulov, had to be a three time national runner up, Kasumov, Israel Kasumov, and be someone that a lot of people are thinking is going to be the next guy for Russia. Really young, great up and comer called Zarbek Sidikov, just to get the spot. So I'm really. I think Kurban is the obvious number one going into this. Number two, I picked this based off of past credentials, is Rashid Kurbanov. Now, Rashid didn't qualify as Uzbekistan this year for the Olympics. Best thought after a month, I do that. But Rashid, he has wins over Olympic bronze medals, Sabrell Hosnov. He's beaten world bronze medals, Ali Shabanu, uh, Olympic silver medalist, Murad Gaidarov. He's beaten Yakub Gore. And he's wrestled all the way up at 86 kilos before and placed at the Asian Championship. So I think if Kerbinoff's cut goes well and his strength is preserved, his underhooks, his defensive position will serve him well here. And the third guy I have ranked ahead of James is the Coop Court. 2014 World Runner-Up, 2015 World Bronze. The thing with the Coop is he's pretty slow. Um very straight-legged, but Yacoub wrestles great from tie-ups, and he does this weird thing. Um, he's usually a lefty, but he'll switch to right, and he'll do this uh, little boot-scoot uh, jab-step thing, and he'll get right to his thing, and he'll score on it. Or if you take a shot at him, he's already feeding it into a 2-on-1, or he'll throw by an underhook. And the really nice thing about Yacoub is since he's so slow and guys tend to score on him early in matches, he has a really great gas tank. So... With the top three, the thing is, all of them can slow down James. All of them can wrestle really well for the tie-up. And that's what makes me worry about it a little bit, because James has had a tendency. He either hesitates a little bit, or he makes, like, lapses and drives in a bit too much and will give up a big score like he did against um, the Brusoff at the Zulkowski in Poland. So, depending on where he matches up in the bracket, he could get a world he could get a bronze medal or say he runs into one of those hammers early and he might have place. It's just depends on how it goes. But if James wrestles well and he really pushes it to these guys and he really moves them, I could see him beating Kerbanalias. I mean Kerbanalias, for all the good things about him, he'll absolutely go on autopilot. Once he knows he has, like, a lead, even a, what, like a two- or four-point lead, he'll just circle, circle, defend. And he's able to do that because he's really solid defensively. I watched him wrestle Mason Nasiri two weeks ago at the Grand Prix, and Nasiri just keeps driving in, driving in. Uh, Grams just gets a wizard. He hits him with a little Uchimata or wizard throw, and 
hits him for four while he's just circling and stalling the whole time. So if you can really pressure and break Kerbanalyph, which is quite hard, and you really got to be on top of your leg attacks and your positioning, uh, then that's the way I think you can do it. But Gore and Kerbanalyph, I see him struggling with a little bit. But depends. If James has a good bracket like if he has a good bracket like he had last year, absolutely. One other guy in this weight worth noting, Cornell's Dylan Palacio, uh, oh, yeah. is in this bracket as well for Uruguay. What do you expect from, mm-hmm. from Dylan? So with Dylan, uh, he went to the he went to an Olympic qualifying event and he beat a pretty solid credential guy, Gregor Gregorian from Armenia, who was a runner-up at the European Championships back in 2014. But I just Dylan, I like him. He's, he's a good guy, but no, the top five of this weight is way too deep. Like even the medal contenders, like I don't see Dylan being able to get past um, Azamat Nurikov. Maybe, maybe I could see him like beating Kirov, but I with Nurikov and the rest of the top five, I, I just don't see it. You know, plays tough. He'll he'll wrestle guys tough, but no, he's not. Probably not going to break through here. I mean, these guys are just too tough. Guy I didn't mention, um, he's from Azerbaijan. Just beat an absolute hammer. Two-time Eurekan champion. But this guy from Azerbaijan, Gatino, Magomed, Gatziev, he's someone to watch out for. Absolutely. I think James can beat him, though, because Gatino's pretty slow. Well, hey, Seth, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, Seth Patera, you can follow him on Twitter at Seth Patera, S-E-T-H-P-A-T-E-T-A-R. Seth, thank you again for joining us. Thanks for uh, giving us your insights. Absolutely, no problem. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.